If you couldn't tell by the name of this podcast, it is not appropriate for children. The content of our episodes may include subjects of sexual and or abusive nature against adults, children, and or animals. While the topics of this podcast are typically very serious, the hosts have trash mouths and inappropriate senses of humor. If you are easily offended, Karen and Linda, this likely isn't the right content for you. Proceed at your own behest. Hey everybody, this is Courtney. And this is Allison. And this is Murder Porn. We don't have a theme song yet, but we're We're working working on it. it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) So this is the inaugural episode of our new podcast, our new little baby. And um, we just kind of wanted to start out today by talking about, um, you know, why we wanted to do this. Yeah. So, Courtney, what was your motivation behind for starting a podcast? Yeah. Well, obviously, I like true crime. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to talk about it. I mean, there's a lot that can awareness that can be raised for. I, I think a lot of people say that like people who are into true crime and talk about true crime are like extort people's stories but I think that there's a lot that you can learn and then you can like take from it and then use to sort of encompass into your life to protect yourself sort of totally yeah I'm definitely paranoid yeah I'm paranoid too it doesn't well and you know because I like my original bachelor's degree is in criminal justice so I have a lot of paranoia. <laughs> yeah, mine's in anthropology and sociology, so yeah. it has literally nothing to do with this. I've just been fascinated since I can remember with this. I literally, in my final, like, senior thesis for Mr. Casper in high school mm-hmm. was on serial killers. <laughs> and I made him a murder book. <laughs> that was my, my project. I didn't know that. I got an A. Thank you. <laughs> I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Just so you all know, we went to high school together. That's how we know each other. Yep. <laughs> Class of 2005. Thank you. <laughs> and you aged us. <laughs> and we're old. Yep. Middle-aged millennial here. We're not middle-aged. Yes. So that's so funny. My friend Jackie literally said this to me the other day. Middle, She called herself a middle-aged woman and she's a year younger than me. And I was like, we're not middle-aged yet, are we? And she was like, I think so. And I was like, when I think of middle-aged, I think of 40s. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, even now with people living, maybe more like 50s. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. That's pushing it. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, my grandparents are like all in their were were all in their nineties when they died. So I kind of that's think bananas. Of, yeah, especially when you see them deteriorate that way. Uh, like, oh no! But no, my husband he's younger than me. Like okay, yeah, I'm younger, <laughs> but he's like four years younger than. Oh, me. like way younger. He's not that much younger. <laughs> but he when you were ten, he was six. <laughs> Well, I guess. Yeah, so he... he It doesn't matter as much when you're 40 and he's 36 or, you know. But he sits there and tells me right now, he's like, so you're practically 40. And I'm like, I'm not 40. (laughs) How many times have you backhanded him? (laughs) I mean... We don't condone physical violence. No. I don't... Most of the time. (laughs) 
physically abuse him. <laughs> but he definitely gets a um, talking to. From <laughs> yeah, he gets talked to. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I'm basically 40. Yeah, I don't have that problem because my husband's four years older than me. Mm. Yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. That's not not how it works <laughs> with me. It's funny. Well, you'll probably outlive him anyways. I've thought about that, especially with his diet. And statistically, <laughs> just mm-hmm. women outlive men. Yeah. So there's that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Make sure he's got his life insurance in order. <laughs> he actually got a call from State Farm the other day. Who pay his premiums? Is that where you guys have your life insurance through? No, well, no, he doesn't have, so he has life insurance through his company. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely thought about life insurance because you definitely need I'm life a, insurance. I'm a freak like that. Wow. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he got a call from State Farm the other day, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh my God, I bet you anything he forgot to like pay our insurance or something like that. That's they were just I'm trying thinking. to make an appointment. No, they were trying to sell life insurance for him. Where they make their money, man. And I was like, so, okay, so how much, how much would it be? And cause he was like, oh, you know, our car insurance dropped by this much. And then, so we'll add this to it and make like, give you okay. the same amount that you'd be paying monthly for life insurance. I'm like, okay. okay. Fun fact. Okay. I used to work for State Farm. There's no discount for having life insurance. Mm, okay. So they don't know what they're talking about. There is a discount for bundling your home and auto though. Well, I knew that. <laughs> He, so if your home and auto insurance isn't bundled, call call your insurance company. <laughs> but no, I couldn't. He's just like talking about life insurance, and I'm like, well, how much? And he's like, it would, it would be five hundred thousand for how like, much? Oh, well, okay, we, wait, <laughs> that's how much life insurance would be. Okay, this person was a shit salesperson because what I've gathered from this ten second conversation is that you literally have no idea what they were quoting you. He he was the one that and they lied to you. Well, he was the one that talked to him, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he did not understand. Yeah, <laughs> what was being explained. Yeah, here's my professional advice: <laughs> go to someone else for insurance. But also, like, you should have private insurance, especially if he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. Because mm-hmm. if like you leave your job, your your job insurance doesn't follow you you lose it when you leave so yeah there's my little professional advice and that'll be um a hundred dollars to everyone who's listening i'll send you a bill (laughs) (laughs) just drop your venmo (laughs) that's my fee don't at me i mean at me at me money (laughs) anyways um yeah so okay so but you already have like a little a little ticky talky. Yes, I do. And it's you got some pretty good following on there. I mean, by my standards, because I have none. <laughs> by by a lot of other <laughs> standards, <laughs> I'm still like very small. <laughs> okay. But I enjoy listening, watching. Yeah, mine is more, especially when you do a case that I sent you. Oh yeah, she sent me a case the other day. I got day. so excited. <laughs> stuff that we okay that being said you guys have gotten to know us a little bit and Courtney still isn't completely comfortable in front of the microphone <laughs> but I think she's gonna open up here 
Um, for me, it takes a little less prodding and also way less Trulies. Yes. <laughs> um, it is after four o'clock on a Friday, by the way. So if I'm drinking, that's none of your business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So I would like to tell you guys a story today. And I am obsessed with the heroine of this story. And damn it, she is a heroine. Mm-hmm. Girl is a bad ass. Okay. You kind of told me a little bit of it. So I, I got a little bit of a picture of it. Girl, I know you went on a deep dive. No, not yet. Because I knew. I was like, I want to hear this. But I I definitely looked. And I was like, okay, okay, all right. Yeah. Here's, here's what we're going for. All right. So I did find one amazing resource on this subject, and that's basically where I derived all my information from. I did fact check and spot check, like, a few little tidbits here and there, mostly. It was off of the documentary on Amazon Prime, In Her Namesake. She speaks a lot and tells her own story on this documentary, and so I really didn't feel the need to go anywhere else for information. Mm -hmm. But, um... All right, let's go. You ready? Yes, let's do it. All right. I picked this because it happened in 1994, and the 90s are very en vogue right now. I'm just kidding. I didn't pick it for that. I just really love this story, and this woman is such an inspiration. May we all be like her. Okay. All right. (laughs) So this story takes place on December 18th, 1994, in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. South Africa. That was horrible. Don't <laughs> don't pay attention to that. Anyways, so because South Africa is in the southern hemisphere, their seasons are flipped from ours. So it's winter here, it's summer there. Mm-hmm. So it follows this story is about a 27-year-old woman named Allison. And at this point in her life, she had graduated school, and she sort of was, like, not sure what she wanted to do with her life yet. She was just kind of living without any, like, direction. I think she was working at, like, a travel agency or something like that. Um, Just kind of trying to get her footing and figure out where she's meant to fit in this world. Um, So this night... Um, December 17th, going into the 18th, she had spent it with friends. Um, she was at her friend's house. She like, I think had like had her laundry with her. So I think she maybe was like utilizing her friend's laundry facilities. Um, and by facilities, I mean, washer and dryer or like whatever they have in other countries. I think it's the same. I would assume it's <laughs> I hope so. So fucking ignorant. <laughs> I Wow, we don't sound worldly at all. Anyways, now that you know I'm very stupid, I've never been off the continent of North America. No, that's not true. Wait, no, yeah, that's true. I've been to Central America. I haven't been outside of the United States. I don't like planes. Oh, really? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're safer in a plane than you are in a car. No, I say that when we're going down. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, all right. So she had laundry with her. Um, It was about 3 a.m. at this point. Um, Her friends had started to kind of, like, dwindle off. And so she grabbed her laundry basket. She got in her car. And she drove home to her flat. 
And when she got there, the spot that she normally parks in was taken. So she had to park like a little bit further down the street than normal. It's three o'clock in the morning. It's dark. She's got a big old laundry basket she has to carry, but none of that really matters because before she even gets the opportunity to get out of her car, a man with a knife comes out of nowhere and opens the driver's door and forces her to like slide over at knife point so he can get in and take control of the vehicle with her in it. Always knives. But then this piece of shit, okay, tries to be like real personal with her and he's like, What's your name? My name's Clinton. Ew. That is ew. <laughs> no. No Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> And then he, like, was driving for a while, and she was, like, sort of thinking at this point, like, it's cool. Like, he literally is just going to, like, he just needs to use my car to go somewhere. Like, he's just using it for a ride. Once he gets to where he's going, like, he's going to let me go. It's fine. Well, he pulls over at a gas station, and another person gets in the back seat. And she says in her interview that she looks into her rearview mirror and sees this guy in the back seat, and he is just, like dead in the eyes like just like you know charlie manson Mm -hmm. eyes like that's what we're talking about here she said it was at that point that she knew there was no way she was living through this are you kidding me like what i'd be terrified i don't know what i would do i would have been terrified the moment somebody like with a knife yeah, so she says basically, like, she was keeping her cool until then because she, like, was confident, like, this was not going to be, mm-hmm. like, a big deal. Like, he really just needed her car to get somewhere. Yeah. And then after that, like, guy got in, the second guy, she was, like, she, like, something about his face just, like, told her that, like, this was it for her. Yeah. All right. So the second guy gets in. And the two men drive her for miles into the deserts of South Africa, like, Mm -hmm. past where all the streetlights are, into this, like, alcove that, like, based on the way they described it, must have been, like, a popular, like, hangout spot or, like, party spot or, like, a lover's lane because it's, like, littered with trash and broken glass and bottles and, like, stuff like that. Yeah. And they they describe – she describes this, like, several times throughout – this interview but they they told her their names one in either directly or through conversation with each other and the guy who she thought was called clinton who initially had gotten in the car mm-hmm. his name was actually franz i wondered if his name yeah was clinton. it's not that's made up mm-hmm. and the second guy's name is tien or teens I can't really know. Like, this is not an American name, so I apologize. But it's T-I-E-N-N-E-S. And I think it's Tiens. Tiens. We're going to go with that. Okay. Okay. So anyways, they drive way out past the streetlights. They pull over into this alcove. And um, Franz gets out of the car. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Tiens gets out of the car, mm-hmm. and Franz forces her into the back seat, and he rapes her. But he does it in this way that, like, creeps me the fuck out. 
he like whispers sweet nothings into her ear and like tells her she's beautiful while he's raping her. How? <laughs> yes. To me almost. That's that's mm, worse. Yeah. I don't know. That I feel like that like psychologically violates your body and your mind. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, guy's a piece of shit. So he gets out. And then he's like to his friends, TNs, he's like, you want to go? And he's like, I'm going to fuck, he's like, I'm going to fuck the shit out of her essentially. And he brutally, brutally rapes her. Mm-hmm. Brutally. To the point where she says, and this isn't really relevant and honestly, like, whatever. I don't even know if I should be saying this, but I already started. So here we go. She says that she evacuated her bowels. He was being so rough with her. And I don't think a lot of people talk about stuff like that when they talk about like rape. No. And, like, brut- the brutality of it and, like, the effects that can have on body mixed with fear. Mm-hmm. Like, you you can do those things. Like, you can shit yourself just having anal sex, just in general. Yeah. So imagine if you're being, like, brutally raped. Yeah. Or raped with an object or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ugh, gives me the eebie-jeebies. Oh. So at the end of it, or while he's raping her, this guy, TNs, this gross disgusting man chokes her unconscious the dead eye guy when she wakes up she's lying on the ground in the desert with the car next to her and these two men standing over her and she just knows like this is it and they proceed then to stab her 37 times do you know how much, like, is furiosity a word? Ferociousness? Like, I don't know. Like, how fucking broken in your brain you have to be to, like, crack so much that you can physically stab someone 37 times? Like, I'm pretty confident after two times I would be done. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes a lot of energy. A lot of energy. To, like, pierce skin and bone. Especially if it's a dull knife. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. Yeah. So he stabbed her 37 times. They disemboweled her. They cut her throat 17 times. 17 times. And then they drove away. And as they were driving away, they threw her clothes out the window. They thought she was dead. What an afterthought. Yeah. Well, here's the most fucked up thing. Those motherfuckers went home and ate breakfast. And one of them has a wife and a child at this point. Oh, my God. That is sickening. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, okay, now my brain went into, like, what the hell was this fucker doing to his wife and kids? Yeah. Or, or like, was he reserving all of this brutality for whatever? Because you'll hear about, like, BTK. Mm-hmm. Like, his family had no idea. Like, his wife knew that he yeah. was um, sort of, what do they call it when you, like, try to, like, a uh, sexual deviant. Yeah. She knew he was a sexual deviant. Like, he didn't prescribe to the vanilla way of sexual life. But, like, they never would have thought. For one second, that he was doing the that BTK murder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So I almost wonder if, like, that was the was situation. Because like a- honestly, like, the wife and the child are never brought up again. Like, they bring it up once just to say, like, he has one. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So kind of they were an aside. We should maybe look into that. Yeah. I would be interested to know if it's kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of situation. My questions are always this. Did he hit his head when he was younger? Like, did he at some point have a traumatic brain injury? Yeah. How did he treat his loved ones around him? Did he have people that he he loved around him? Mm -hmm. Um, Or her. Sorry. I guess women can be psychos too, but. Yeah. um, And then I also look at, like, what they call the triad. So, like, did he abuse animals? Did he wet the bed? You know. What's the third one? I I just remember, like, smearing poop on the walls. Ew. Huge one of them. What? Yeah. No. Oh my god. I I could tell you a crazy story. <laughs> so so they drive off mm-hmm. and leave her for dead. They throw her clothes out of the window. So she is butt naked, bleeding horrendously, cut and injured horrendously, just having been raped. And they thought she for sure was dead. And at this point they talk about how she's like in and out of consciousness. And at one point, she wakes up and she's like gurgling out of the fucking hole in her throat that they slit from stabbing her 17 times in the throat. And she's like, I need to do something to make sure that they catch these men and that this never happens again. And this girl, <laughs> woman, she's a woman at this point. But she, in the sand next to her body, writes their names. Oh, my God. And then writes, I love you, Mom. Oh, my God. Yeah. She dead ass thought, like, this is it. I am dying. I need to do something. That's what she did. And then she, like, kind of passes out again. And she wakes up again. And... She realizes, like, I'm not just going to lay here and just die. Like, I need to do something. No one's ever going to find me here. I'm just going to, I literally, if I stay here, I'm going to keep passing out, and I'm just going to die. No one will ever find me. I do not know how this woman mustered up the courage to do this. But she stands up. And she said she stood up and everything just went black. But she was still standing up. And she, like, felt on her head. And I shit you not. They basically decapitated her. Her head had completely fallen backwards at the throat. And she had to lift her own head up and hold her own head up. Mm. Are you kidding me? What? That's what I kind of read and that's when I stopped because I wanted to hear the story and I was wondering if they had totally like talk about hanging on by a thread like nearly headless Nick shit okay (laughs) that shouldn't be funny but it just blows my mind okay so she holds her own head up And then she starts to walk and realizes when she looks down that her guts are legit dragging on the ground, hanging out of her abdomen. But how is she still alive? That's That's, what I want to know. That's what I want to know. How did they, how did that even, 
How did that even? Yeah. Yeah. How did that even? Yeah. So they obviously missed her spinal cord. That's all I can think of is they obviously missed her spinal cord. Right. Well, uh, yeah. And what? So, so she's holding her head up. Her guts are dragging on the ground and she sees this like shirt. So she picks up the shirt and she like holds her intestines up with the shirt and her head up with her other hand. And somehow, like a legit ass miracle, this woman manages to walk to a road and collapse on the road. And as she's collapsed on the road, this car starts appearing out of the distance. And at first she's like, yes, you know, somebody's coming, somebody will help me. And then she's like, what if it's them again? Like, what if they came back to make sure that I was done? Like, and then she passed out. So scary. And then she kind of like woke up again and she saw that that car came upon her, stopped, probably realized she was a person and sped around her and left her there. And then in and out of consciousness again. And another vehicle comes. And it just so happens, like, by the grace of God, that this vehicle that comes upon her in 1994 is full of a bunch of, like, postgraduate students who have a cell phone in 1994 in South Africa. How did it even work? I literally... Like, I don't know, by the one fucking cell tower on the continent of Africa. I don't know. Again, ignorant. (laughs) So they called for an ambulance. And while they were waiting for this ambulance, which took it, like, I think it said, like, 30 to 40 minutes for this ambulance to get there. He sat there with her the entire time and held her hand and, like, was talking to her. And, like, this man... There is a special place in heaven for him. <laughs> like, I'm sure she feels that way. Oh, I'm sure. But then he, like, even went in the ambulance with her. Oh, my And God. the fucking ambulance drivers were not even rushing to get her back to the hospital because they deadass were like, she's not going to make it. <sighs> yeah. That's. Yeah. That's crazy. <sighs> So, she finally gets to the hospital, and she's obviously, like, in the trauma unit. I would hope. And the doctor, they interview this doctor, and he's like, this is the most brutal, traumatic attack he has ever seen on a person, ever, who, like, made it alive to the hospital, ever. He said, um... The ENT on call, it turned out that in his country, he was not only an ENT, but also trained as a general surgeon. Mm -hmm. So, like, another stroke of luck that this doctor ended up being the one doctor that needed to be there to, like, get her cleaned out and sewed up and, like, a lot. Like, keep her alive. Yeah. But they go on to describe, like, her injuries and... Like, her intestines were covered in dirt and sand and broken glass and trash. Mm-hmm. Fit your intestines back into your body. Okay, so they're done, like, putting her intestines back. And, like, 
sewing her throat back and they say that somehow another strike of pure just like astonishment is that they didn't hit any major nerves they didn't hit any major blood vessels and they didn't hit any major organs like it was all like I don't want to say superficial but it was like skin and tissue yeah like enough to like have her I don't know like they just didn't that's crazy right yeah I'm like she was breathing through her like esophagus her trachea like the hole yeah and that bananas yeah all right that's insane. No, it says her esophagus was undamaged, so that's what she was breathing through. So, like, they cut down to the esophagus, but not the esophagus itself. It's bananas. So, anyways, um, the police came to the hospital to interview her, but obviously she was, like, intubated, and they couldn't mm-hmm. extubate her because of the severe damage to her yeah. neck. Um, and they, um, they already knew of these people, these Franz and Tians, because they had already raped two people, two women previously. Um, but she ID'd them in a photo line, lineup on her first, on their first visit Mm -hmm. by pointing it out. And, um, you know, she wrote it out for them. And then hours after the surgery, the DA, or whatever they call their DA there, was basically like, this would be more compelling for an arrest warrant if she could actually physically say this. So this woman, (laughs) who's been through all this shit and needs to be intubated because of the extent of her injuries, they literally make her... Like, they tell her straight up in the hospital, like, this would be more convincing if you could say it. I don't think that the... So the, everything that they said to, like, portray the cop that was, like, the main detective on this case, he was, like, very um, tender with her. And, like, they were very mm-hmm. cognizant of, like, minimizing any future trauma. And so he was pretty pissed when I think when he had to go back and, like, ask her to do this. But she was like, nope, let's do it. Pull this plot, like, you know, pull this tube out of my mouth. Like, if this is what you need, I'm doing it because these fuckers are going down. Yeah. They're not doing this to anyone else. So they did. They extubated her right there and right there. She she said it was Franz and Tien's and this is their pictures. Isn't that bananas? This girl is like that's an enigma to me. Like she like how on the fucking world. So she did. She did that for them and like her friends that she worked with at the travel agency with like came to see her and like they were bawling and she was comforting them. Like, joking with them. Like, it's not that bad. She's like, look, I didn't even break my nail. (laughs) But she actually had, like, severely damaged her nails. So it was a little bit of, like, dark humor there. (laughs) Um, After she was released from the hospital, she had to go back to the hospital on a daily basis because the wounds in her abdomen were so severe that they had to scrape the wound every day to, like, did, like promote growth like, of new cells yeah, or whatever. That's fucking crazy to me. Yeah. 
that's crazy. So not only did she like live through this horrible, horrific attack and these horrific injuries, but then every single day she had to literally go have them scrape her wounds. Yeah, that's which, from my understanding, is like extremely so painful. fucked up. I would account. I would probably like in my mind equate it to like a uh, burn victim where they have to like, because mm-hmm. don't they have to like somehow crack the like scabbing because of the pressure and buildup of fluid and like swelling or something like that? I think I've read that, but I don't know. Or, and like burn victims, yeah, or, like debris burn wounds, burn victims. I don't know enough about burn victims, but I can tell you more about debriding wounds. <laughs> and it's painful, that I do know. Yeah. It's extremely painful, and yeah. I bet. Woo! So they find out that these two complete pieces of shit, Franz and Tiens, had raped two women before her, and they both were reported, and they were caught. And so that's when they decided that the next victim they weren't gonna stop no that's stupid why would they stop they're just gonna kill the next person oh my god yeah so the other ones they they were alive and then this time mm-hmm. they just decided that yeah. they were just gonna kill the kill the next yeah one. so they bring them into um like the police precinct for questioning and like um, the detective told Franz straight up, like, um, we're charging you with attempted murder. And Franz is like, what do you mean attempted murder? And he was like, well, Allison survived. <laughs> but how much did you just give it away when you're like, what do you mean attempted Yeah, murder? and he was just so fucking dumbfounded when they told him that she had survived. That he sat there for just a moment and then took a ring off of his finger and gave it to the police officer. And the officer's like, what is this? He's like, it's hers. I took it from her body. Give it back to her. I mean, if she's alive, then there's no way I'm getting away with this. So we might as well just go on with the show. What? Yeah, I know. All right. Okay. Fucking crazy. This piece of shit is the one who had the wife and the child back at home. Yeah. So, five to six months after um, she, like, after the attack, they had already, like, were ready to go to court, which in the U.S. you have a right to a speedy trial, but on no planet ever have, has a case in the United States gone to trial in five to six months. Isn't that crazy to me? mm -hmm. Like, to me, that sounded really fast. Like, normally it's, like, one to two years, it seems like, but maybe I could just be wrong. I don't know. I don't... That seemed really fast to me, though. For, for... Something of that level of severity. Yeah. Yeah, it seems really fast. I agree. Yeah. Before they would let her testify at trial, she had to undergo psych evaluation to make sure that, like, she was competent to stand trial, that it wouldn't, like, re-traumatize her. Like, I bet you $100 they don't provide that much support to mm-hmm. attack victims in the United States. Mm-mm. There's no way. They're just like, cool, um... I know you were brutally attacked, but we're going to need you to completely rehash that entire thing in front of the fucking attacker right here in court. Oh, and then you have the defense that comes in and just basically annihilates you as a person. Mm -hmm. Totally attacks your character. Victim blame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that should not be legal. I think it's horrid. Mm -hmm. But welcome to the United States. Yeah. Best legal system in the world. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. When she testified in court, she still had a fucking open wound on her abdomen that she was still having to treat. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that crazy? That's not. Six months later. Oh, it just hurts me so bad. Like, physically and mentally for her that she had to go through this. Like, I don't know how she made it through this. But at this point in time, I think we can all collectively say this is one badass bitch. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So here's another thing that really pissed me off. They talked about it kind of briefly in the documentary, but Franz tried to pretend like he was fucking possessed by a demon while he was in jail. And, like, asked for a pastor to come exercise him and was, like, faking being possessed to try and, like, make a defense for himself that he was crazy. Uh-oh. Better bring and the horns. pastor was legit, like, <laughs> you're a piece of shit and you're fucking lying. And I love that for him. <laughs> so the cop, the detective in the case, talks about, like, when he um, was, like, walking them into court... Mm-hmm. that like he basically was like you know what i'm not gonna handcuff you because if you run i'm gonna fucking shoot you Damn. so like yeah so <laughs> yeah he was kind of a badass too like you could just tell like that he was very passionate about the case and like you know came to like care about his the victims and the yeah. cases that he was researching and stuff like that but, like they said that like never like even like the prosecutor was like i've never I've never done a case like this where the victim was still alive. That's... Yeah. Um, Franz's dad committed suicide because he was so ashamed and felt so guilty of what his son had done. Ugh. Yeah. If you could just see, like, the fucking tidal waves yeah. that rippled away from him and this action. Yeah. Like, crazy. So, in South Africa at this point, the the death penalty was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Um, but the judge straight up was like, if it, if it was available to me, I would have imposed it. You piece of shit. I bet he would have said that if it was appropriate. Hey. She says in the documentary, she was like, um, there's never going to be a finality to this. There's never actually going to be closure. I'm never going to be able to say, like, I am healed. I'm always going to have wounds that remain from this. Physically, mentally, emotionally. But in the documentary, this was so powerful. She still had the box of all of the evidence that they, like, had released to her afterwards, which included, like, her shoes and her clothes and shit. And she just fucking throws it all in the trash. I think the knife was in there, too. What? Yeah. Yeah, girl is a badass bitch, okay? I, I, wow. She said that after her attack, she had to choose life in order to survive, and that she's had to choose life again and again and again throughout the years. Um, But she did say, like, the only time she ever really got depressed was, like, when her wounds were finally healed to a point where she could physically take a bath, and she said she took a proper bath. And so, like, it shows her, I don't know if this was true, but, like, she was lighting candles and stuff and went to go get in the bath. But she looked at herself in the mirror, like, in a full-length mirror for the first time Mm. and saw how damaged her body was. And that triggered, like, a major depression for her. I can imagine. Yeah, she said for months. 
she was just not herself. And then one day she got a letter that was an invitation to speak to a group on her story. And she went to give like a speech and to talk about it. And she said that made her feel better. Mm-hmm. And so she kept doing it and she kept going to events and she kept speaking and she just found that like that helped her to heal the more she talked about it. And so she says that like she chose life one after her attack when she had to survive and then again like when she had to pull herself out of that like deep dark hole of depression. And if any of you have ever been like depressed, you know, it is hard to dig yourself out of that hole. Yeah. Hard. And she did it, man. She did it. And then she says that by giving these speeches and these talks and by advocating around the world, she found her purpose. So, like, it really comes all full circle because we start this story out at 27. She had no idea what she wanted to do with her life. She was kind of working as a travel agent to be, like, as a spot filler, essentially. And then at the end of the story, after she's been through all of this horrific stuff, she feels like she finally found her purpose really kind of sucks that she had to go through all that shit yeah to do that but you know it's kind of a little um beauty i guess in the end of this awfulness right so she gives a quote at the end and she says that there aren't any extraordinary people in this world only ordinary people and some of those ordinary people choose to do extraordinary things with their lives and i just really loved that Because it's true. Like, Mm -hmm. we're all just normal people. Yeah. It's just that some of us choose to use our capabilities and our abilities in different ways than others. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that embodies her so much. She has used the bad things that have happened to her to inspire others and to do good by others. And she really has triumphed in the face of adversity. And that's why I think that she is a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to tell you. She had such severe damage to, like, her abdomen and, like, her, like, uterine cat, like, all of that stuff. They never thought she was able to have kids. And she has two kids. Oh, yay. Yeah. So she's, also, she's, like, fucking stunning. Like, she's beautiful inside and out. Like, this woman is a goddamn inspiration. Love it. Yeah. That's all I can think is she's just one big badass bitch she is i don't think a lot of people could she oh is. gosh go through every like the just not only the victimization itself but then like to have to keep going through it over and over and over again yeah. because every single time you're going to get you know your wounds cleaned and debrided and every you're just going through could it you over imagine? and over and over Ugh. again sucks so bad yeah so bad so her um her last name is spelled B-O-T-H-A. I think it's pronounced Botha or Botha. Um, and I think her maiden name was like Collins or something like that. But they don't really ever refer to her by her maiden name. Even though like this was her last name at the time of the attack. She's only known by Botha or Botha now. Um, the documentary is on Amazon Prime. It was made in 2017. And it's by Uga Carlini. Um, and... I just felt it was such a great resource because, like, it's very much a first-hand account. Mm-hmm. Not only from her, but from the detective, from the prosecutor, from the physicians and the doctors, from the man who found, like, who found her in the middle of the road. Um, the only people that aren't um, 
um, interviewed our TNs and Fronds. And frankly, like, fuck them. I don't want to hear from them anyways. (laughs) We don't want to hear their story. Although I'm very interested to know about the wife and the child. I would just kind of want to know, like... I'm guessing that they distanced themselves as much as they possibly fucking could from him in this case. I would, yeah. I would. Yeah. Because fuck him. His last name was Dutois. Franz Dutois. And his was Tiens Kruger. What? Yeah. Okay. So that's the story. And I really love this woman like legit if I could meet her and like just hug her and like somehow like absorb through osmosis like her (laughs) like strength I would be so privileged yeah her badassery (laughs) (laughs) so that's what I have to say about that so um anything that you wanted to add before we wrap up not that I can think of my gosh all right that's, it's such a good yeah. story, right? I'm she glad is I such not, a badass. I did not look into it more. Right? Yeah. So important. So for the future, so everybody knows, like, our goal here is to, like, present cases to each other and the other will be blind reacting. Exactly. So she did look up this case a little bit, but I told her, like, don't do that because this is how I think things should yeah. be. And she agreed. And so, like, that's how we're doing this. So next time, Courtney is going to be telling us a story. And do you know what story you're going to be telling us, Courtney? Richard's best. I'm so excited because yeah. I think he's fucking bananas. Like, he's so psycho. It's not just... It's because he's best known for one particular thing, but there's so much yeah. more that I don't think that people know about because... Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because I just don't think that his case is that widely reported on as far as, like, true crime podcasts go. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we'll kind of be, like, in the minority as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But I think that your take on it and your research on it, it's going to be... It's going to be super interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, all you crazy, also weird people. <laughs> <laughs> you morbid fuckers. <laughs> yeah. uh, you dark passengers. All right. Have a good one. Bye.